Taylor Walker from the Other Crows, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Shannon Hearn from the West Coast Eagles. This is Nathan Jones from the Melbourne Football Club. Phil Davis from the GOS Giants. That's Brad Avery from the Port Adelaide Football Club, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hello, it's MJ. Welcome to the Coaches Panel, and a special podcast that we're doing every single week to help you get through this weird void between round one and round two. Joining me on this episode, I've got Kane. Hello, mate. How are you? Hello, MJ. I'm very well. Good to be back. It, it's good to see you. Now, for Patreons, we're chatting all the time uh, because every single day at the moment, you're getting brand new content, um, brand new uh, articles and podcasts as we talk through who we believe are the best keeper league prospects between now and, well, really, the top 50 is what we're doing. So what we're doing for you, uh, the members that aren't a part of the Patreon army, that's okay if you can't do that. Totally understand. We're still wanting to give you fantasy footy content. And so what we're doing is we're giving you a little highlights episode every single week where we talk through kind of the past seven players came and their impact that they've had. Yeah, let's let's start with our guy MJ, number fifty. All right, well, let's be honest. We we said it to the Patreons. He barely even got into the fifty. Let's. This was a hard one. This was a really hard one for us, and it's Braden Fiorini from the Suns. Number fifty is Fiorini. We argued about this, didn't we? Let's let's not beat around the bush. We toed and froed whether he was in the fifty, or he wasn't. Or even if he was in the top 20, he just snuck in and we know some friends in the fantasy community are like, boys, you've lost your marbles. And again, to be fair, this is just purely Kane and I ranking them, putting them together, built a formula that we believe is fairly robust if you want to see it. Um, and, and here's the thing. Anyone that's a Patreon and joins during the month of April and May, you any level, you'll get access to all of these. No matter who you are, you get access because we appreciate your support. But Braden Fiorini, just 23 years old, midfielder, is going to be a, a midfielder for the most part of his career. But if the trend from round one continues, maybe he'll pick up a DPP. But I, I think the positive of Braden Fiorini is even from his second ever game, we got to see that this bloke, with the right role and the right opportunity, he has got a fantasy ceiling about him. Yeah, absolutely, MJ. And I think that's why we put him in the 50 ahead of some other names is that if all things go well for Braden Fiorini, he genuinely can be a top 10 midfield candidate for the next six to seven years. He just ticks all those boxes. He does everything you want from a fantasy scorer. Yeah. There's no stats column he can't fill. Even disposal uh, efficiency. Well, he doesn't fill that one very well, but it doesn't matter. It's not super coach scoring. For we the don't have to part. worry about that, MJ. We yeah, don't have to did. worry about that. And I think that's the thing that we loved about him, isn't it? That he'll tackle for you. He'll yeah. mark. He'll get the inside. He'll get the outside. As you said, we don't have to worry about if he kicks it to his teammate or the opposition. Nope. This guy is just a magnet. He just, just gets it done. He's got the ceiling about him when he's got the right role. Um, and, and I think, you know, the reason he's got to 50 is because there's certainly the potential. But the big reason he wasn't any higher w- was kind of around one thing. Can he get that midfield role, first and foremost, with the guys of Noah Anderson, Hugh Greenwood, Brandon Ellis, and Matt Rowe all coming into the side, which already is bustling with some talent. They're trying to get Lockie Wellett through the midfield more. Eventually, they, I'm sure they'd love to see Jack Bowes through the midfield. Took Miller, David Swallow. These are all real staple parts of that midfield. Will Brody is another one that's looking like he's developing nicely through that midfield role. So, one, can he have that midfield role? And then probably to a secondary, because his disposal efficiency is not great, 
Yes, we're seeing him off halfback a couple of times, but he's probably not the guy you want rebounding and turning the ball over. So he might even find himself with some job security concerns as the year goes on, if he doesn't get midfield minutes. Yeah, MJ, I absolutely agree with that. That's, that was my biggest concern, is that I can see a world in the next 12 to 24 months where Fiorini's not even, you know, he was fifth in the best and fairest last year. So we know he's clearly valued internally. Yeah. But the thing with the keeper league is you're always forecasting forward. And with the names that you said coming into that side, I have genuine concerns that he's a best 22 guy every week, let yeah. alone gets that role that he needs to be a massive scorer. Yeah, and we didn't even include Flanders and Sharp, who they rated really highly in this draft too. So getting midfield minutes um, in that midfield is going to be harder more than ever before, especially for a guy that, from an efficiency perspective, isn't really high on, on the board. They've got the inside balls. Rao, Greenwood, um, Flanders will, you know, will split his role through there. Rankin is another we didn't really talk about. Um, Brody, they've got the balls. They've got the outside class there now. Um, while they've got the workman likes of Millers and, and Swallows to go through there. That, that's our big concern. The highs could be high. Um, like you said, there could be one year where he averages 110 and is an absolute superstar. There's also another year where he plays either halfback and gets your 80s, fine. You know, defender back there, that's fine. Also, he could not be playing more than seven games in a year. Those are the three scenarios we could get. Yeah, I absolutely agree, MJ. Do you want to shift to 49? Yeah, go for it, mate. All right, Jade Gresham. Jade Gresham, the Saints, and I think underrated in the fantasy community. I don't think he gets the recognition he deserves. He hasn't really been relevant in salary cap formats, which, you know, we know gives people a massive buzz in terms of keeper stock. But we think that he's a forward for the rest of his career. Yeah. But he's gradually getting those extra midfield minutes. And I think conversely to Fiorini, what we love about Gresham is he brings something different to that Saints midfield. He's so dynamic in there. They've got the workman-like guys. They've got the Rosses, the Steels, the Dunstans, all those type of guys. But, yeah. And obviously, they've brought in Brad Hill and Zach Jones, who, while they have pace and explosiveness, it's not so much on the inside. Yeah. I think what we love about Gresham is that he's so dynamic in the contest yeah. that they want to get him the ball, and they want to get him the ball, and he's crafty around goals. So I think we both saw that midfield forward split being nice enough that he holds forward status. But a few extra runs in the midfield also give him a nice bump in terms of points. Yeah, we talked about it a lot in the podcast for the Patreons that, that have heard the full episode. And again, anyone that joins up through this month and next month as a Patreon will get exclusive access to all of these podcasts and articles. But uh, we talked about a little bit of a contrast where he's like a Robbie Gray style of play where he's so damaging and explosive um, that he adds this element through the midfield. Um, conversely, when he's forward, he's so dynamic and difficult to match up on too because he's so good in so many key areas that for Ratten, he's going to want to keep him in both. And again, worst case scenario, you throw him into the midfield, you'll have that one year where you get yourself 100 forward and he'll probably average around 100 if he's an exclusive midfielder. Or conversely, if he plays the split role, you'll get that 85-90 sort of mid-forward. And with such variation through the forward line year on year of premiums, he's that perfect guy to have. Yeah, that's the thing, MJ, isn't it? That we know at a junior level when this guy was on ball, he's as good a magnet as anyone else. His numbers at a junior level are incredible. The fact is at St Kilda for his first four seasons, he has been playing that small forward role. Yeah. And with time, we both agree that he's going to shift out of that 
and start having a split. And if he's already in the low 80s as a 23-year-old as well, yeah, you've got five-plus years you know, of an 85 Ford at worst. And if, as you said, if he goes into the midfield, he's probably 95 there. He's just so efficient at that as well. He yeah. loves to tackle inside, outside. And when you tack on a goal, like we know he can kick from the midfield, I just think he's a guy that you're never having any worries about about role. No. As you said, some years you might get lucky. He plays pure mid as a forward. The next year he might go back to a bit more forward as a mid. But then we know in keepers, you're going to gain the status by the end of the year anyway. Yeah. So he's never going to really burn you in that sort of sense. You're always going to end the year at worst with an 85 forward. Yeah. No, I think he's a really great long-term option. In at number 48, we had Jacob Hopper, which got a mixed review, fair to say, from some of our, our supporters. Let's not, not lie. People were a bit angry. Yeah. We're, we're, trying to, we're trying to sell the farm here, mate. Help me out, Kane. Um, look, you know, in terms of where he's ranged that 23 years, yep, three 23-year-olds in a row. Um, Mid-90s average last year. Had a few things go his way with um, plenty of injuries. But what makes him so unique as opposed to many of the other GWS midfielders, I suppose, is he's very one-dimensional. And But that one dimension he has is amazing in terms of his work as a first-touch player in and around the stoppages means that he's not waiting for someone to farm out the ball or he's got a role concern like we've shared with others. We know Hopper's in that best 22 and he is that first touch player that he's going to farm out the ball. He's a really nice midfielder option, even if he doesn't have the big ceiling just yet. Well, that is why people were a little bit angry at me in particular, MJ. As I did say that I don't see Hopper as ever being that uber elite midfielder, you know, the yeah. 110 category. I love his consistency. I love what you said about him being an excellent first-touch player. And he doesn't have any role concerns. No. As you said, the Giants have so many other players that can play other parts of the ground. Hopper's going to have that inside mid-role, which is great. Mm. We, just, we, we did a, quite a deep dive into his score build and stats on the Patreon podcast. And it just caught my eye that it's, I cannot see him being an Uber elite. But I love him as a very solid, reliable Hundred mid for the next six seven years. He's Callan, honestly, he's very similar to Callan Ward. Yeah, Callan Ward, um, Ollie Wines, this sort of guy that you go, you know, a bad year I'm going to get out of you is 93, 94, 95, and I'm going to get the odd year where I'm going to get the 103, the 104, the 105 kind of score to, to go to that um, 110. It's rarefied here. Let's be honest. There's only one or two handful of players that in a dream team and AFL fantasy scoring format, which predominantly keepers are kept to. Um, it's very rare you get, you know, multiple, you know, dozen players going 110 and above. So sometimes we go, oh, he's 23, he's going 94, 95. That's not enough. Sure, we all want the 110 midfielder, but the reality is 95 in most keeper leagues is a M3, maybe an M4. Depends on how you've list built through there. A 95 guy as a baseman at 23 to get that for the next seven years, you can build around that knowing he's going to also give you plenty of hundreds through the time. That is another thing though, MJ, is where salary cap does come into keeper leagues and cloud people's judgment a little bit. We know in salary cap, we always are pushing for that top eight. We want all the top eight mids and they usually are 110 plus. Mm. In a keeper league, you have to reframe that. What is an acceptable number? And we, we did look at how far, when you start getting into, you know, most teams have seven midfielders on the field with 10 teams. Yeah. The seven midfield is not pretty. You, no. In 95, you're very happy with. So we love Hopper. 
we just have the concerns, and that's probably why he is at 48. Yeah, look, a career-high score of 122. He's got one of the lowest ceilings of all our midfielders that we're talking about, and, and that is the concern. The consistency, we love. The ceiling, slight question mark, but at his age, given the way he's building points per game, um, we, we really like what he's going to deliver. So for that, that's why he's at 48. And then the next one, in, he's probably got a little bit of a stank on him at the moment, Kane, in at number 47 after really not getting the role that everyone had hoped he got. Um, and it shows he was going to have it through the preseason round one, which, by the way, hasn't factored into any of our um, statistical analysis of equations um, through here, is Andrew Brayshaw. Mid forward, we're projecting him long-term career-wise to be a mid. But a lot of this one, there's not gut feel, because that's kind of a hard thing to quantify, but it's projecting role. And we know that Fife and Walters in round one pretty much didn't move out of the centre square. Um, we've seen Langdon, Hill... MJ, they didn't leave the ground. They didn't leave they didn't the ground. Leave the ground. The <laughs> they really... And I think that's why there is a smell about him, isn't there? Because yeah, round one was disappointing. Let's not, let's not lie. We were no. Most people in the community were massive on him. He ticked the boxes in the preseason. Yes. I don't know if, I don't know if Fremantle had an inkling there might be a gap. When you look at some of the time on ground percentages to the stars, you think they knew they could almost go all out. Yep. Even Walters were nearly 100% time on ground. And... Brayshaw was down in the 60s, which for a guy with a great tank yeah. doesn't make much sense. Nope. And I think that's why we haven't cooled on him at all. No. As you said, we see the age. We see Mundy's been a great player for Freo. Yeah. Five, Walters. They're all older. He has to be someone that assumes oh. a prominent midfield role. And, you know, he's only 21 years old. Mm. Like we always do with these players, junior numbers are important. He was elite. Huge. He's flashed certain. He's, he's only, you know, he's only got a high score of 106. But for a guy that's had, you know, limited opportunities, he's mid forward for a reason. He hasn't had, yeah, a massive dose of midfield minutes. And, and at his age, 21, MJ. You look at what other players who are 21 are doing. It's okay to be in the in the high 60s at that point of your career. You can still yeah. you can still reach the elite level. You don't have to be a Clayton Oliver no. who's 100 in your second year to be an elite <laughs> player. And I think. While people are worried about round one, you just have to relax. Yeah. It's just one game. There was a lot of other superstars that had oh, equally yes. poor games round one. I think Bayshore is a fantastic long-term option, albeit he'll just be a pure mid. Yeah, I think so. Look, all the signs are there, both as a junior, and he's only had limited midfield opportunities. But even, you know, over his career, I think he's had like eight scores over 80 in, in AFL fantasy and dream team scoring, but four of them were over the final few games of last year. So we're seeing that development. We're seeing that, um, you know, improvement. We forecast the greater responsibility um, in that midfield as Fife, look, he's going to be a staple through there for many, many years, but um, Walters and others, they're going to need that support. Um, yes, Sarong's a gun long-term. Yes, Ryan's a really nice forward target for them, but they invested so heavily a pick in him. He's such a good in-and-out player. He's got the athletic endurance to be able to make it happen. Forward status this year will help you a little bit. Should we get some games this year? Um, but it's because he hasn't punched out a massive 120 yet that we've gone, look, he's highly rated. We think he's a good pick. But he just we need to see it a little more for him to jump up our ranks in 12 months. Yeah, and I think the other thing, MJ, that we touched on more in the other pod that we love is that he's played 39 of a possible 44 games in two seasons. And we know what happened between him and Andrew Gaff. 
So the guy, clearly Fremantle, have given him plenty of opportunity. Yep. He's getting to that nice number of about 50 games is where we see most players, which obviously correlates with the third-year breakout, yep. take their game to another level. So if he's already low 70s, you've got him as a forward this year, which is a great luxury. Mm. I think you've just got to be patient. Don't, don't be casting Brasher away or selling him short if he doesn't even reach the heights in 2021 that you mm. want. I think after that, you're going to have a guy that's hovering in those mid-90s, low hundreds. Yeah. And you've got seven, seven, eight years of service out of him to go. Yeah, it's a fantastic option. I'd suggest for someone that's not in a keeper league, right, uh, that is in a keeper league, uh, but not a brand new one, now's the time to jump on board. Let, let that stinky score from round one, um, let it sit there. Um, that person's looked at it the past couple of weeks. They've been, felt that disappointment from round one. Leverage that opportunity to go and get him. Because what we're doing here with this 50 keeper league targets is we're not saying this is our ranks of one to 50 of where you should pick him in a keeper league. Because we know some of these are going to drift a little bit. Others will have the more highly that's okay it's rather going these are who we are thinking are the best 50 keeper prospects that have played at least a game of afl before this year so sorry the 2019 draft crop don't make our list just spoiler alert for you in there so that's what we're kind of suggesting and advocating for and in the gap between round one and round two start up a keeper league um yes there's so much you could do in a fantasy footy sense and you know just keep looking at your teams and realizing that crappy score you got in round one trade them out reverse trade and go again that's fine to do but we're rather saying keep that fantasy footy conversation start up a keeper league with your mate start up an eighth one um if you're in that many at the moment and and do it again because it's just a great fun thing we've got a lot of chaos in our world at the moment Uh, a lot of people have had some financial situations change a lot of people's job situations have changed people's mental health is certainly um let alone financial and physical well-being is under a little bit of duress and stress and so one of the things we love about fantasy footy is it's just a fun outlet in what can be a crazy crazy life and so start up that keeper league with you and your mates even if you've got a draft league your workmates whatever it is so that you've still got this healthy outlet of life between now and round two so 40 have been done so far through 50 49 48 and 47 but then in 46 another surprising one but when you look at the data when you look at the trends and the fact that he will be a forward for his career jordan degoe belongs in the 50k let alone at 46. This surprised me, MJ, when you brought him up to me. But when we started looking into it, the guy is only 24 years old. Yeah. He's already a mid-80s type of guy. And the thing that stood out to me when I was looking into it, this isn't from one, one game, but these are his career highs across the board. Sure. You know, he's just 24. Remember that. He's 32 disposals, 10 marks, 12 tackles, and six goals. Cool. This is, that's a great career high for someone that's played their career out. Yes. If you've got career high six goals, 32 touches, 12 tackles, like Dugowie is good at everything. Mm. What he hasn't done yet is start putting them into the same game. Like he hasn't had a game that's 28 touches, eight marks, two goals. Mm. But if you are that good at those, those, um, those skills in isolation, imagine when he starts coupling a few of those together. Yeah. He's already in the best scoring side in fantasy. Yeah. Collingwood and the Giants clearly and the Bulldogs are pushing up there as well. But those two in particular, they just dominate fantasy points, which is clearly a massive edge to Dugowie. He's got great midfielders. He's got Brody Grundy. Mm. He gets plenty of supply. He gets so much similar 
So much support. And I think similar to Gresham, he's going to have that nice split. Mm. They do have an aging midfield as well, Collingwood. They've got some guys that have been amazing players, side bottom, Penderbury, notably. But he's going to just gradually get a bit more. And if you look, he's, if he's mid 80s without much opportunity in there, yeah. you sprinkle in 5, 10%. And we see him when he goes in there, he is super dynamic and he's a real handful. It, yeah. It's almost a player that if you, if the game's on the line, you he's the guy that Collingwood put in there just to get it out. Yeah. So he doesn't need much more. He's already on the cusp of being a top 10 forward, just being in the mid 80s. Because we mm. know how many guys are mid a forward one year, mid the next. He's just going to be a forward for the next 10 years. And I'd be shocked if he's even under, drops under 88 for the next 10 years. Is that good? Yeah, because he's such, when he's forward, he, he is an impossible matchup. Much like Dustin Martin is where, yep, okay, you put a tall on him that can match him in the air, in the aerial contest. Well, he'll burn you at ground level or he'll burn you on the lead. Reversely, you put someone that can keep up with him um, at the ground level and on the lead. Well, he'll just clunk an overhead grab and beat you there. And then if that's not enough, throw him in the guts. He's got such a hulking frame and is so dynamic that he's arguably... Collingwood's best first touch player at stoppage when the game is on the line. So he's so good in all these areas until cloning becomes a viable list management strategy. Bucks is going to have to put him in the midfield and forward because he's so good in both of those places that you don't want to lose him as a midfielder. You don't want to lose him as a forward. You need him in both. If you're going to have a crack at a premiership. And so for Collingwood's sake and for fantasy coaches, he's there. And this mid-80s scoring, it, it's a trend that he's been able to deliver over the past few years. 79 was his average in 2017, off a 75 in 2016. 81, uh, just off the edge of 82 in 2018. And then last year, mid-84. Um, twice last year, he dropped under 70 all year in, in a keeper league for a forward. It, you'll take that. Um, from a guy, and again, two of those games, one was against the Cats, the other was the D's just beat up on the Pies that day. So pretty good basement. Yep, we would need to see a bit of a boost in his ceiling, but Kane, as you've said, he scores in every single category. And if he can put it together, much like Patrick Dangerfield, it took a couple of years to do, man, he's set for an explosive couple of years once it all gets together for him. Yeah, I think the one concern we had, MJ, is, is availability. Yeah. We know in draft, it really stings you if you've got a guy that's not durable. And he has had some issues. You know, he's only played 18 games or more in one season. So I'd love yeah. to see, see that come up. Um, you know, it's not a disastrous number just yet. It's not like he's missed whole seasons. He's just no. missing games here or there. And the one thing he does have going for him is we know that Fords are a line that you can you can find streamable guys on the waiver wire just to play the whole each that's week. There's and that seems to be everywhere. sort of how to go. Yeah, and that seems to be what happens to Degoe. He misses one or two. He's not a guy that has had something long term that's yep. affected him in season. He's missed you know half a year. So I'd love to see it come up, but it's not super concerning just yet. Yeah, a little bit different to lose an 85, 90, you know, forward easier to replace that for one, two, three weeks than it is to replace a 90-plus midfielder. That's, uh, again, depending on the squad sizes and the league's um, amount of coaches, that's the area where it really stings you the most, um, you know, with, with a lack of depth through that scoring line. All right, so that's who we've got at 46. The surprises for some keep coming in at number 45, Jack Steele. 
Yeah, we loved what Jack's done since he came to the Saints in particular, MJ. You know, he's yeah. just missed five games in those three seasons at the Saints. And again, we're forecasting a, a slight role change with Steele. I think yeah. we heard what Ratton said over the off-season. I don't want Jack Steele to be tagging anymore. I want to yeah. free him up. He can win his own ball. And I think what really is attractive for Steele to me is He's shown passages where he's gone absolutely berserk yeah. for a four or five week period. We're talking 120 plus to end 2018. Then last yeah. year he started first three games at about 110. Yeah. So he's got these little things where he shows super, super elite scoring. And yeah. then it's brought down, you know, by his defensive responsibilities to shut down, you know, the crips, the dangers. He always gets those run with jobs where he's yeah. really really cognizant of that other player in the stoppage and it just hurts his scoring and his disposal numbers are super low for a guy that averages just under 96. Yeah. It's crazy, isn't it? For a guy that can do what he does for a guy that averages what he does, man, if he's given the opportunity to win the ball, we will see a marginal drop away in that tackle count as he's hunting the ball first, not hunting the man first. But I think any potential drop away of one or two tackles per game is going to be counterbalanced by the increase of three, four, five um, first touch possessions per game. He's got a ceiling. He's through that midfield. We know he can, he's not just a, He's got to get the ball at the stoppage um, to build his points. He can do it on in the in and the out. More of an in than the out, but he's got a bit of both around him. He can do the defensive part of the game. And, and he's even, he's got a big enough frame that if he does have to rest forward every now and then, he's shown he can be a little bit of a goal-scoring midfielder too. Yeah, he's a, he's a problem matchup there as well if he's required. And the funny thing was, MJ, he said that last year when Ratten came in, he, he let him off the chain for one game in round 23. He said, yeah. just get the ball. A 120. Yeah. I know it's a small sample size, yeah. but he has shown this ability. And if he just doesn't have to worry about tagging, if that's the way the new coach, Brett Ratton, wants to run the Saints, yeah. the guy's got a career-high score of 145. Yeah, it's good ceiling. Like, in terms of our list, there's some guys that you think are super, super elite players who haven't, haven't even scaled that height. So it's true. 145 is, is incredible. He's always got a decent floor just with his eight tackles a game. Yeah, and like you said, maybe it drops off slightly, but he's he's such a proficient tackler. I don't see it falling away at all, despite his role change to be more attacking. And again, he's in the low twenties for disposals. Like a normal, like Jacob Hopper's already at twenty-seven. Yeah, I, I don't see why Steele can't get to a similar number. And um, obviously, the disadvantage he has to Hopper is that the Saints aren't as good at possessing the ball as as the yeah. Giants. They're they're just ball hogs like the Pies. So maybe that is something that holds him back a little bit, but. I just think he's an absolute... He's probably the cheapest you're going to get him as well, MJ. That's the other yeah. thing. Like yeah, the goey, so. the value's only going up. If he, if he does what I think he can do this year, yep. and I know it's different scoring with a shortened game, but approach that 100, 105 mark, yep. he's going to go a hell of a lot earlier than 45. Yeah, I see Jack Steele, much like Bryce Gibbs before. They're very different type of players. Don't think that's the comparison. But Gibbs for years, um, maybe not the past two, um, was highly valued by his owner in a draft because of his ability to be consistent with his scoring um, and then give you those big games that would pop and go on runs. Steele is very, very similar like that where... If he's included in a trade offer, you're generally not going, oh, yes, I'm getting Jack Steele. It's going, uh, 25, mid-90s, eh, 
you know, so again, he's that perfect guy to be able to target um, if you're in an ex- existing Keeper League. Conversely, in a brand new one, people see that age. People see that, oh, he's got mid-90s a couple of years. That's okay. Everyone kind of hunts for that 100 midfielder um, and not just the guy that is really one or two key possessions away from delivering that year in, year out. And that's why I think Jack Steele for us is a really highly touted position. Uh, I don't think he's going to go inside the top 50 in most brand new keeper leagues. Maybe he does, maybe he doesn't, but I think he's a potential value option. In, in fact, most of these guys, you know, Gresham, Degoe, um, and Steele, especially those three guys, I really find that you might have some real savvy coaches pick them up early in a keeper league, but definitely those three are more than likely to be there beyond the fifth round of a draft. And that's where you can start to get some nice pickups. All right, the last one of this episode, as we do the, the highlights for you, and we do hope that you're doing well in the fantasy footy community. In at number 44, we're about to break some hearts, Kane, about where this bloke is. Some would suggest he's yeah. way too low. And maybe yep. in a year or two, we're proven that. But at number 44, Tim English. Timmy English. Wow. Is I he too low? I can hear Fox's voice now. I can hear his voice saying, what have you two done? Yeah. He is 43 spots too low. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, to, to, to people, you know, fellow friends, Fox and Rain Man, he's inside the top couple of few. And they love him. And because he does have potential. What we like about English is he's one of those few Ruckman that have come onto the AFL scene of late. And give us some parallels to Brody Grundy. Now, Grundy's a beast in and of himself. I mean, is a, worth a whole new conversation. Let's be honest. He's in the list later on. Um, we would lose all credibility without him. But he's got the parallels where he scores in all the columns as a ruckman. He wins the ball at ground level defensively. He's fine in the clearance. He gets on the edge and uses his aerobic capacity to get around the ground. I think that's what we like about him and why he's so highly desired in keeper leagues is getting a ruck premiums hard Getting a long-term right premium is almost impossible. And when you get anyone that smells like Grundy, you're just chomping at the bit to own. Yeah, the parallels are actually quite bizarre, MJ. Tim English, pick 19. Brody Grundy, pick 18 in their respective drafts. We know that Ruckman have rarely drafted in the first round. Luke Jackson this previous year for Melbourne. But you see how many good ones people have found off rookie lists. Dean Cox, mm. Aaron Sandlands. It's very rare to even use an early pick on a guy like this. So that just yeah. speaks for their class and, and how good of a player they are. And like you said, it takes a certain type of Ruckman to be an uber elite. Yes. Dean Cox, super mobile, extra midfielder. Yeah. Brody Grundy, the same. Gorn is unbelievable at his work rate and his hit out to you. He's just incredible. But I think when you start looking at English, again, albeit not yet, his hit out to half of what Brody Grundy and Max mm. Gorn do every week. He only yeah. averages 19. So, if you can start pushing that up, I think we can start seeing, like you said, every column can just come up two or three here, yeah. one or two there. And all of a sudden, 77 becomes Nine. 95. Yeah. And he's already inside the top. You know, there's only a few guys that do that every year in the ruck. Like you yeah. said, it's one of those lines that you think you've got a great ruck. And then the next year, he's gone from 105 to 83. Yeah. You know, he might have, he might have a second ruck in the side they might have changed structure to have a guy that you just rely on every year mm. and english his skill set and i say skill set i'm yes. not saying he's brody grundy but his skill set is very reminiscent of grundy in the way that he builds his score 
Yeah. And I just think in a few more years, he is going to be a guy that's 95 plus at worst. As I said, he's super young and you just got him. You just lock it away. No ruck headaches for you. Nope. You're fine. Yeah, no, I really, really like him. And the thing is, though, when it comes to how you go for your structure of rucks in all drafts, let alone in a keeper league, is you've got really one option. Lock them away early um, or, and just hold on for, to them for as long as you can. Or you just grab them late, um, throw in something that's going to give you a 75, 80, week in, week out, and then hope that you discover by either luck or by chance the Riley O'Brien types that appear through the year, you pick them up of the waiver wire at the right time and then you get them. But really, if you want Tim English, let's be honest, to own him in a keeper league right now, you're having to, let's be fair, overpay substantially on what he's delivered right now. Or if it's a brand new startup, he's going inside those first, again, depends who you're drafting with, those first handful of picks because people want a premium long-term ruck and, the belief amongst the fantasy community, which we agree with, it should be there. Um, is he's among one of the top five best young rucks going around. Yeah, MJ, we mentioned that Dugowie and Gresham and maybe even Steele, you wouldn't have to spend, you know, what we value them at in the list. Yeah. English, English, you are going to have to. We've got him at 44. I would be shocked if he lasts to 44. And, and like you said, people want a ruck. And when they get to that, you know, I'd say about that 20 range. Yep. People start going, okay, what defenders are available? What mids? They start looking at the rucks. They see a couple of the big dogs are gone and they start thinking, you know what? I'm just going to get rid of the ruck headache right now. I'm going to take English. It might be too early, but it's done. And that's the problem with draft, isn't it? Only one person can own Tim English in a league. That's right. And all of a sudden, I think he, I can't say he's getting overdrafted because I think he's a great player, but, there is the reward of going, I just want to not have to worry about the rucks. I don't want to worry about every year. Yeah. I'm going to find a ruck. And I think for that reason, he is going probably earlier than I'd take him. But at the same time, if he hits the levels we can hit, I think he can hit. It's a great problem to just not have to worry about. Yeah. He will be good. And I think the horses, the train has left the station, MJ, hasn't it? Like, yeah, it has. Yeah, look, like, I don't think he's going to be... might be a little bit under the radar, but... Yeah, Tim not English. No, no, no. The horse is bolted, you know, and it's three quarters yeah. of the way down the track. Um, and, and you're going to have to pay a lot to get him um, out of the owner's hand. And the reason they've gone him and they've held on to him for so long is because they rate exactly what you rate. They see what you see. And now they've probably got a year or two or three of emotional connection. And while that generally shouldn't um, play a part in our keeper league strategy, we all know we start to love certain players on our list and we don't want to see them go. And especially if we've held on to them for so long and we can just see the bell curve of their scoring starting to have that uptick. It's very hard to get these guys that are right on the bubble of breaking out. So, yeah, I, I think if you want Tim English, you're either overpaying for him in based on what he's delivered or you're jumping early. Now, whether that's the right strategy, time will tell. That is for sure. Yeah, absolutely, MJ. If you, if you like a player like Tim, and it goes for any player in the Cape League, any doesn't player. it? Yep, if you, if you love them that much, you're going to just, you can't worry about if it's too early. Doesn't matter. You have to take your guy. If you want him, you've got to get him. English, English is one of those guys in particular that people just take. No hesitation. Don't care if it's pick 20. Don't care if there's a, a 105 mid on the board. I'm taking English. And you've got to factor that in as a, as a strategy yourself sometimes because 
we know in one you know draft we recently did that it is a strategy to take him early yep. and then auction him off afterwards. Yeah. You know, there's it's funny what happens after the draft, MJ. All of a sudden what player was drafted, it doesn't matter at all. Yeah, the the, so, the position doesn't matter big, then, yeah. No, it doesn't. And I think English is a guy that actually he shapes a lot of drafts and he shapes a lot of trades and teams afterwards because the potential is is really limitless. Again, yeah. I don't see him as a Grundy type. There's not many guys that are, but Cox gets, wasn't you know, Grundy. Let's be honest. He he struggled no to get one ten. No, yeah, exactly. Steph Martin flashed for two years. You know, I think Rux is a really tough line, and I think English can be a guy that's you know 105 if everything goes well, 110, and that is an amazing asset to have when you so roll much. into a, a league matchup. But yes, you will have to go. Early, earlier than we've got him in our list. Yeah, and the other reason he's there is because a small sample of games, a small sampling of what he's been able to do. Yes, we forecast and project he's going to be one of the best rucks for a really long period of time, but we've got to let some of the data and the numbers direct us right now. We believe he should, and he could, and he will, as yet not quite as highly valued on our list just yet. But guarantee in 12, 24 months' time, that will change. So there you go. That is the first seven players that we have revealed so far in our Keeper Targets list. And for Patreons, you are getting daily articles from Kane and I and a daily in-depth deep dive on every single one of these players. We look at the pros and the cons. We talk you through why we've ranked them, where we've ranked them, what you got to do to get them out of a, a Keeper League coach's hands right now, and where you might even look at drafting. We try to help you as much as we can because right now let's be honest life's weird life's different that's okay let's keep making some fantasy content keep talking about fantasy footy and we think one of the best ways to do it start up a keeper league and this will help you so as i said right throughout the month of april right throughout the month of may if you join on at any level of our patreon army you will get access to those articles and podcasts just because we want to say thank you for your support of the coaches panel so if you want to get the rest of the articles and players as they drop day by day, jump on over to the Patreon army. Everyone else, we're going to keep giving you these kind of weekly wrap-up podcasts. So you can still keep your eye on what we're doing, still keep your eye on where we're ranking players. You just might not get the same level of in-depth analysis that others are getting. Next week, we chat you through the late kind of few 40s picks and uh, the early kind of 30 picks that are there. There are some names, I'll be honest, that are some of the biggest names in fantasy footy today. And there are some guys that we believe long-term are some absolute superstars of the competition. Who are they? You're going to find out next week. Chat soon. Yeah.